0: Bad
1: Real bad gal things I'm your host Mish maroon and welcome to Bad Gal Chat Podcast Now let's get into the show Okay, so today uh we have comedian. <laughs> Abba. Abba, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: Good, thank you. I'm so excited to get into today's episode. We can always use some laughs. You know what I mean? Yes. And, you know, from someone yes. who actually this is their craft to make people laugh and not you, yeah. accidentally making people <laughs> laugh or unintentionally. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the interview, we're gonna play a little bit of Conwin Chill with a Bad gal Oh, nice. Okay, okay. so this is a black owned card game. They have 99 controversial question cards. And if you want to get your own deck, all you Mm -hmm. have to do is follow them on Instagram and you're going to DM them bad gal to get some money off. And this offer is available on Amazon in the UK, Canada, and the US. Oh my God, it's
0: perfect. Okay, nice. Right? I love this. I love black card games. Right? they know we what to are. ask. Exactly. We do. <laughs> <Thank you>.
1: like... <laughs> this one's a little spicy one to start us off. Love. Name okay. something non-sexual that turns
0: you on. Oh my God. I don't know what it is, but forearms. Like, Ooh. I don't know. Forearms on on like a masculine person. I just love them. Especially when they like roll up their sleeve a bit. I have no okay. idea what it is. Yes, you love a rolled sleeve. <laughs> yes. And then for like every gender, I feel like, like, I don't know. This is so dumb. Maybe it's because I'm a bad driver. But when someone just drives like very relaxed, like very Mm. confidently,
1: yes, the back, the seat a little
0: turned back, yes,
1: one hand, yes, Yes. okay, I see, yes, yes, yes. I love that. (laughs) I love a good back muscle. If I see, you know, a man's like back muscles in public, it just Mm -hmm. it gets me flustered. I don't know what it is.
0: I don't know either. It's just so hot.
1: (laughs) It is agreed. So. I have this question. What is uh, you know, dating like for you in Toronto?
0: It has been a trip. Like I was actually hmm. listening to um um one of your episodes and uh, we are talking about like how Toronto men like to be chased. Mm. And like it's it's so true like Toronto men love being chased and I feel yes. like From, I don't know, maybe, like, my first year of university to, like, my second year out of university, like, so, like, 2017, 2018, I was, like, oh, yes, I'm, you know, it's 2021. I'm a modern woman. Like, Mm. I I can be the one to always, like, make the first move, but it's never ever worth it, I think. I don't think it's ever worth it. I think that there's something very attractive about, like, men being the pursuer or, like, men showing intention intention is so important to me like I hate nonchalance yes no like I like they could take it or leave it exactly because it's so rude and I feel like Toronto men are like that and it's probably Mm. because there are so I feel like there are so many more women in the city than there are men sometimes right or, or at least in the spaces that I frequent so I think that Toronto men have it so easy on themselves they don't have to do much so that's why they don't chase so dating's been bad like (laughs) like, (laughs) pandemic I'm so busy with work and everything that there is time to like chase anyone and if I'm being chased it's never by the one I want it's never by the one I want
1: it's true I feel like the only people in the city that chase are like old men Yes, we're like three time divorces you know like it's not it's not giving what it's supposed to give no it never is yeah yeah. so you mentioned work mm-hmm. um obviously like I said you're a comedian um but you started off doing stand-up yeah from what I okay so how was that like what was that like especially a black woman doing stand-up yeah. because you know I feel like Canadian con- comedy is like very you know I don't see a lot of black women it's doing it's fantastic it yes
0: compastic. and the
1: U.S. though I see a lot more of it the U.S. black women are like yes. running ish
0: you know exactly. what I mean here not Ish-ish. so much so what's that like I don't it's such a weird thing because like, you know, I grew up watching black women um, um, do comedy like my parents love like kings and queens of comedy, that whole franchise. Yes, I grew up watching like some more Monique, um, Wanda Sykes, like, and like really strong black female voices. So I'm used to that kind of comedy. So when I started doing comedy in the city, it felt so weird. Like, I feel like I really like black comedy, but I also really like like alternative comedy. So it was Mm -hmm. kind of for me to participate because like i've been engaging in like alternative comedy ever since i was a kid it was i love like goofy like dumb shit but there's such a like a lack of black women um represented when i started it was a thing where the ogs of the scene who had like struggled through second city who had struggled through like trying to get yuck yuck spots who had struggled through doing um um, just for okay. Laughs? Just, not even Just for la- Like, Just for Laughs would have been, honestly, that is like the apex. Oh, wow, okay. People, yeah, the, and th- that's how small the mm-hmm. comedy scene is in Canada. And it's a thing where all these OGs who are like queer, of color, Black, were very like adamant about finding young um, people in those same marginalized groups to kind of get the scene going and get more representation. So I was very lucky in that, a lot of people saw something in me and were like, Oh, you should do this show. I'll give you a scholarship for this class. Da, 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 da. So like, I, I was very lucky in that. And I think because comedy is like changing at warp speed, especially with the internet, everyone can do it in any capacity now. In right. Way that it wasn't happening even like, you know, four years ago. So I feel like it's changed a lot, but starting out in stand-up, I'm so happy I didn't have to do open mics because I've heard the horror (laughs) stories (laughs) and they're bad. No, they're really bad. Um, Canada's very like, it's been one note for a long time but I do feel like things are changing steadily
1: good that's nice to see and you know it's interesting you mentioned that because it's so true i feel like anyone can be a comedian now you know you go on tiktok there's tiktok comedians there's twitter comedians there's instagram comedians Mm -hmm. anyone Mm -hmm. can have a camera and do a skit anyone Mm -hmm. can do their own stand-up special that they can record and edit themselves exactly Exactly (laughs) you know so it's it's definitely changed the game for a lot of folks. I feel like a lot of industries in the a lot of entertainment industries, mm-hmm. you know, are changing because of that, whether it's yeah. singing, because now you don't have to be a part of a label. Back in the day, yo, you know, you you have to be signed you in order to, to pop stop. off.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: mm-hmm. like Susie, who works at Starbucks, can mm-hmm. be, you know, the next a chart shopping. Yeah. yeah. Chart-
0: and she could beat out everybody and be on the chart for weeks. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like things like stand culture too. Have right. Like, everything is so niche that, like, you know, like back in the day, like we, if if you wanted to listen to music, if you wanted to watch a music video, you could go on YouTube and watch the crusty, dusty, like like bootleg version of it, or you could sit through watching like 106 in the Park or like you know, in the afternoons, BET would just like be so yes. and playing these videos on <laughs> like that. You have to sit and watch that. You have to sit and watch much music, and it gave you like a taste for different artists different like genres like you got to see everything but now it's like if you like a very specific sound you can find that very specific sound from and only
1: listen, exactly. only listen to that only listen to say if i'm a, K- uh, a k-pop fan, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when i go on youtube at home i could just stream you know k-pop music all okay. day i can put in my headphones and grocery mm-hmm. shop with K-mu- k-pop mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. get my hair done with k-pop music thing. exactly i can alter like my own media Exactly. And and that's the interesting about modern day that I love and hate is that I can create my own feed, you know, which is a positive and a negative, because sometimes I don't know about other things going on because I'm so in my show.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So do you feel like so go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's made me realize that a lot of things are just echo chambers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same people just talking to each other. Yeah.
1: Is there like echo chambers in comedy like people are just so used to. Wow. One type of
0: comedy. Definitely. I think it's changing a bit more now, but it used to be a thing where like when a certain type of like, for example, male um, white comedian um, started doing a thing, they'd get like a little um, fanboy like group starting. And it would just be this echo chamber of these specific guys who like found this one thing funny and kind of no one else. But because they had enough like um, people in this group or like in this community, they'd like be able to take up so much space. And it's like, it's not even like what they're doing isn't good. It's just like, it's so niche and it's so specific. It's like, why do like, it, it just, they they never expanded outside of those groups. But I now I feel like um, more queer people and more like people of color are like knocking on these doors and being like, get the fuck out. It's our turn. Exactly, <laughs> We all deserve space. There's room for everyone to do the type of comedy that they want to do, so yeah.
1: And when I think of the funniest people I know, they are marginalized people. Exactly. <laughs> they are queer exactly. people, they are like black people, brown people, yes. you yeah. know, Asian people. And I think it's because we find comedy in the oppression, we find comedy yes. in the sad, yes. effed up like situations that we get, yes. you yeah. know. And other people can relate to that. And I think even if they yeah. can't relate, they find it funny.
0: They find it funny. I absolutely agree. Like i I've, I've been saying like black Twitter runs Twitter. When Black people start to meme things, like they take off, like TikTok, like TikTok would be nothing without Black creatives. And I think it's a thing too, where like my favorite quote for so long was like, white people are so lucky that Black people are funny. They're so lucky that we're funny. (laughs) Because if we weren't the shit that we go through, like... (laughs) Remember, um, oh my gosh.
1: When Twitter has like these theme days that they do, like the other day they did a tweet like it's the Great Depression, which we reposted yeah. on the Instagram page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be like, tweet like it's, you know, slavery days. Tweet yeah. like it's Jim Crow. you like know Jim
0: Crow. And then, or like, remember when, uh, oh my God, remember when Nigger Navy happened? Yes. Oh my God. How could I forget? <laughs> that night was insane. Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> like, and or, the Bible like, one was black- funny. Yes, yes yes the bible one black people's superpowers that was yes and that was this year i think yeah, yeah. there's supposed to be a day where we all get magical powers <laughs> that's and that's what i mean someone who's like the funny guy in the neighborhood is now mm-hmm. twitter famous because exactly. of these jokes which is exactly comedy is accessible but i guess the the bigger platforms like again mm-hmm. yuck yucks or exactly. just for laughs mm-hmm. is not as accessible so there's it's like not. a discrepancy
0: Yeah, and it's crazy because, like, for example, like, the people I think are the funniest are people like Deezus and Meryl, like... Right, my mom loves them. (laughs) The vibe of, like, your cousins that roast you all the time or those guys on the block who are always posting up and, like, you're low-key, like, so annoyed by them, but, like, it's, like, they're community members. Like, those people are part of the community. And to see them on TV and to see them getting the recognition that they're getting, I think is so important because there's a whole demographic of people... Who are consistently shut out of like mainstream accessibility. Um, you know if you want to watch a certain type of comedy like you're gonna have to either pay a lot of money for it or you're have to, gonna have to go and see it live but putting Deezus and Mare on like these big platforms made it so accessible which I'm so grateful for because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of young Black kids get discouraged by not seeing themselves represented. Right. You know, even when you are represented, sometimes it's like not everyone vibes with Key and Peel. Like, every, right. Every, every black person <laughs> the representation. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And, you yeah. know, with that being said, it's nice to have Black women in, mm-hmm. you know, Canadian comedy a lot more because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we are here. Yeah. And I never see us. Mm-hmm. So now we're starting to see more of us, and mm-hmm. that's really important. Um, but I think also, uh, you know, when there's a Desus and marrow, Mer- or a key and peel, like mm-hmm. key and peel yes. Mer- or African Americans, d'esus and marrow Caribbean, because I believe mm-hmm. the lighter one, I don't know which is was but the lighter <laughs> one, I think he's Dominican, <laughs> the dark skin guy is Jamaican. The, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so you're African. So yeah. Like, you being, like, an African woman taking up space in, like, the comedy scene here. Like, are people taken aback? Do you
0: incorporate that in your comedy? Do you not? I used to. When I first started doing comedy, I was doing a lot of Black shows and a lot of, like, niche, like, queer shows and stuff like that. So I was talking about it in a way that I felt comfortable. And, like, the audience was of color. Like, everyone had an immigrant parent who had an accent who had to work long hours and they'd forget to take the chicken out the fridge. Like, you know, like there was this relatability, but I feel like, so I, I wouldn't mind talking about my mom and doing stories about my mom and like doing an accent. Right. But the more I got access to bigger spaces, bigger spaces, meaning whiter spaces, I was like, what the fuck are these things laughing at? Like, how are you laughing at <laughs> right. my mom's accent? Like, what's your problem? Well, you right, know, right, I'm I feel you. when they'd laugh, so. right. So I I stopped incorporating that in my comedy and I feel like my comedy has definitely taken more of a stance of like um uh like uh observational it's very Mm. observational now in that like it obviously has like a political lens too because the personal is political like as black women we can't escape the fact that politics is obsessed with us so I feel like I talk less about my personality as an African person and my culture in um white spaces. So I do it less now. But when I am in like black spaces where I feel comfortable and I feel like camaraderie, I I incorporate my Africanness more. It's about like gatekeeping. I really do of course gatekeeping these things. Because the thing about comedy is
1: that, you know, if you talk about something that's unique to your culture using an mm-hmm. accent, you know they're gonna start using that accent with their fellow you know white community and exactly. then that's going to be a joke and a stereotype and a caricature so it's true you do have to be a little protective mm-hmm. of that like russell peters exactly russell peters and like the indian accent like all i remember all the boys on the schoolyard yep we're doing it we're doing mm-hmm. it right and
0: then it takes the funny out of it for us yeah thank you now it's
1: not funny now you're like making fun of my dad now you're making fun of yep. my mom
0: Yep. Now you're mocking my people. And it's also like, they never do it well. It's like, I hate it when people right. who are like, I hate it when white people will be like, I can do it. And then it sounds it's giving like hotel Rwanda. It's giving like, Ooh. I've never listened to a Nigerian person talk or whatever, but they think they can do it. Like I was just working on a set where um, my makeup stylist was someone I'd worked with before. She was my friend and she's Nigerian. So like when we're around each other, we automatically go into the accent. Like we don't hold back. Um, and the white woman that was working with us kept doing it, being like, I'm hmm. getting better, right? And, and at a certain point, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> we just had to, like, stop doing it and stop having fun. And I, I was like, damn, I guess I'm just in spaces now where I have to be more private about things that are culturally specific.
1: And you know what? That's so true because growing up in Whitby, mm. like boys would always be more boys than girls boys would always be like jamaica me crazy or <laughs> blah 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 mine and it's, Ew, like, yeah yikes yes, you're not embarrassed annoying. and That's let's weird. not forget about you know crazy hat day and of course a ring the
0: rasta hat with the dreads attached exactly exactly classic you yeah. know yeah and and also just like you know if it's not mocking then it's like this weird reverence for culturally specific things that people should have more like respect for like people who like genuinely wear dreads because they think that they can be a part of the community they're like no I respect it appreciation appreciation where if you don't go and find some white hairstyle to do go into a french braid like you know
1: exactly yeah
0: so I have another question Mm -hmm. dating
1: obviously you're a funny person that's what you do thank you would you want a person would you want your your significant other to also be funny? Mm. If not, do you just get joy out of making them
0: laugh? I love having a significant other who's funny because I feel like when I'm around the guy who's like laughing all the time at me, I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't trust it. I don't trust it (laughs) fully. I'm like, he's just trying to hit. it. He's just trying to hit. it. But I also feel like it's a thing where it's a love language for me. Like all my friendships, all my good relationships have revolved around humor um and like my entire family is funny like there's not a single person in my f- family who isn't jokes so like it's really important for my significant other to if if they can't crack jokes the way I crack jokes at least like understand them have a and, sense like, of humor have a sense of humor exactly exactly
1: right yeah. you don't want someone who's just like a statue exactly. <laughs> so, like Exactly.
0: serious and like takes themselves too seriously yeah right so what is your type then Yo, that question just gave me a pang in my stomach because I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. I think um, as I'm getting older, my type has definitely changed. Like I used to really like um, people who are more put together, people who have um, more um, like careers that aren't in the arts. I was really attracted to serious men for a moment, actually. mm um, and it never worked out because I feel like there's a very specific type of guy that is attracted to a woman who's vibrant, who's fun, who's funny, but they only are attracted to that type of woman because they want to dim their light or they want to like keep them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I like being kept, but I don't like being kept. All right. <laughs> <laughs> take care of me, but don't like be my boss. Um, and so I feel like my type is definitely like, I'm usually attracted to skaters. It's so ugly. Really? It's so ugly. <laughs> but it's like, I love a man who's just like very free, but is still somebody with integrity and mm. intention. And I really appreciate a guy who has like a strong friend group in that they take care of each other and do things that are not just partying and like playing basketball. and Chosen handling.
1: family, like a significant exactly. connection. Especially yeah. I find that masculine people in general their mm-hmm. like kinship ties tend to be kind of weak like even yeah. their friends even their best friends mm-hmm. they wouldn't really go out of their way for them and vice versa exactly. you know because I think that's the way masculinity functions a lot of the time is like I remove care from you know exactly. my behavior so mm-hmm. to see that is like wow that's a very touching thing to see you be empathetic and care towards people who you're not trying to get sex out of exactly you know exactly
0: yeah and it's like it's just conducive to better relationships all around because I have I used to have friends in high school where like oh my god there's this one kid in my class who his mom had passed away when he was pretty young from cancer and his friends would make cancer jokes at him and I was like why are you hanging out with this with these people like you know, and he's like, well, we're guys. That's how guys are. And he slowly like became like very like depressed. And wow. And I think that that always leads to like men taking it out on women. And if it's yes. not like malicious, it's like this subconscious thing where they're looking for mothering in a woman. They're looking for nurture in a woman that's like too much for the woman because they're not getting it from anywhere else. Um, I feel like it can be such a slippery slope too. Yeah.
1: yeah. you know I never thought about that and it is really important it, it really is and to see also to have another reason why it's good to see your partner have um a good circle of friends is because mm. they need someone to talk about you with to talk yes. about other things with yes because again with the masculinity thing it builds it builds and then mm. okay well you know, you need to turn to your friend and ask them for advice or, you know, have a solid connection with them. I don't know. It Mm -hmm. just, it's just like a holistic thing, but I've never considered that. And you're absolutely right. It is really important to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So my next question is you have a podcast Mm -hmm. um, alongside, what's your co-host name again? I'm
0: Ben Sosa Wright.
1: And it's mm. called Nostalgique and it's about each each week you guys feature a different artist, artist. like yes. pop culture icon, actually really say, because yes. <laughs> there is no run of the mill people in this list. Yes. Um, so obviously music and pop culture
0: has like a special place in your heart. Ooh. Does music taste yes. impact how attracted you are to someone? Absolutely, a thousand percent, especially when it comes to like respect, especially when it comes to respect of certain icons. I will never tolerate somebody who drags, um, Whitney, Whitney Houston. Also (laughs) it's her birthday today. Shout out to her. Yes, true. Leo queen. (laughs) Yes. Rest in power. We miss you. Um, so yeah, like I, I really think that it's important for like my partner to have a good knowledge of like legends and like know the classics. Um, but also, um, I really enjoy being around people who are good at, um, Curating like new music, I'm always looking for new music. Yes, I'm really afraid of becoming that person that's like that. New kids suck and da 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 da. da. <laughs> <laughs> so I like being around people where I can experience like novel experiences with them, with like soundtrack, with a soundtrack that like mm. we've curated together. Like it's so important for me. Yeah,
1: I love making playlists for a loved one. That is like one of my love languages. Mm-hmm. Um like especially if they're going away for a mm-hmm. while, like you know, play this song or I love a, a song devoted to somebody. Absolutely. Like, oh, I heard this song and it reminds me of you. Ooh, Yes. that yes. is better than flowers, than exactly. chocolates, you know, and you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh my
0: gosh, that's me. Literally. No, <laughs> it truly is so important. It's a and thing it's, where, free. Like, it's, it's free. It's free to do free. that. Right? <laughs> it's free. The way I used to burn CDs for all of my friends when I was in elementary school, I, I've always like, l- I agree with you. Music has always been my love language. And like all my friends now, like they'll send me things and be like, this reminds me of you and vice versa. I have one friend who like recently she was like, I don't like it when you show me new music because I feel like when people do that they're trying to curate my taste. And I was like, okay, I didn't realize that <laughs> people felt that way also. So I, I feel like it's such like a, a very special bond to be able to like share and curate music with somebody else.
1: Yeah, know? it is. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a form of intimacy
0: absolutely that's what it really is absolutely. so what type of music are you into now mm, I'm listening to a lot of female rap um I yes. always yeah, yeah yeah I always loved like I mean growing up I, there was definitely a chunk of time in high school where I was listening to like old school female rap not like old school like 90s but like more stuff that had come out like maybe four years prior right and now I'm listening to a lot of Meg like Flo Millie um, I'm still listening to Nikki she re-released of B- course B- yep, Scotty so I've been listening <laughs> to that over and over again um, but I also really like like alternative music I love like indie music I love um, disco I've been listening to a lot of disco Ooh. recently because it was the anniversary of that um, this broadcast where a bunch of grunge singers and like metal um, artists Um, trash disco um, albums and like burned them and declared disco right because disco was like a queer queer, music yes, oh my god so queer so black so innovative and so I feel like I've been feeling like like a spirit in me that like you know I need to like exercise it and so I've been listening to a lot of disco recently um yeah a lot of older stuff a lot of older stuff and a lot of new stuff that samples older stuff.
1: Yes, I love finding out the samples in a song and Mm. me and my friend Cassie, shout out to Cassie. She (laughs) listens very avidly. Yes. We will send each other a song and the sample because we both have playlists where it's just like the song, the sample, the song, the sample. Oh,
0: that's so smart! Right,
1: because then I you listen. That. You're like your own DJ. You know when the yeah, DJ yeah. mixes in like the yeah. original into the new song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely love that too. You know who? Um, oh my gosh, the barge. The yes. barge yes. has been sampled so many times yeah. in hip hop, and they have bangers. Mm-hmm like Mm -hmm. the songs themselves are absolutely amazing I also love SOS bands yes 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 she's a weekend girl listen because she ain't got no
0: time on the weekdays like like, yo relatable that's modern day. relatable it reminds (laughs) me of my parents it really reminds me of like good memories of like growing up and listening to that music like Mm. and also like listening to like things like like, the Gap bands, they were huge, especially for, like, live music, and so I was listening to them, and then I saw um, an interview on my timeline with Dave Grohl from the F- the Foo Fighters, and he played grunge music all throughout the 90s and early 2000s, but basically said that he took, like, his, the sound of the drums from the Gap band, and from, like, La Chic, and, like, from all these disco artists, and sampled them, so, like, I'm so interested in stuff like that, too, how, like, black people will create something and it'll get innovated again by black people but white mm. people will also be taking reinterpret things, that reinterpreting mm-hmm. it for like other genres i think it's really interesting because
1: music is just recycling it's a lot yeah. of recycling um reinvention, reinvention um, sometimes yeah. copying Exactly, sometimes <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and when we think of like you know i guess majority white or white dominated mm-hmm. music genres such as like country rock alternative mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. all just the white interpretation of black sounds like that's exactly. all it is like exactly. country i think country originated from the
0: blues if Maybe, country, I yeah yeah country yeah. originated from well it was um originally like um whatchamacallit like uh slave hymns that became mm. country and then um white people took it and I think the only thing that's like truly white people music is bluegrass and like classical possibly classical yeah classical and their folk music. Right right like, right. Black right. people have like really taken all popular music is because of black people. Mm-hmm. Like even from gospel I will, somebody shared a gospel yes. of this priest um oh, not priest this um um deacon um preaching and then she goes into like a trance and she's singing and it sounded like metal and she was like wow. head-banging, and I was like Yo, like, the correlation <laughs> is all there. They right, all so right. Different genres, yeah. Right. Yeah. No,
1: that's that's so true when you think about it. But what song or, like, what artist just makes you feel like you're in love? You know when you, like, listen to a particular artist oh and they my just God. give you the feels? Even if you have no one in your life, you're like, my future yes. partner.
0: I know yes. you're out there. Yes, absolutely. It's, um okay, it's two people. It's Otis Redding and it's... um. Uh, James Blake it's oh, I love James Blake
1: my so, white king I love him
0: <laughs> it's a thing where like I think love for me is like I'm always a very high energy person mm-hmm. so when I can just be really chill and quiet around someone it's a really good thing for me and when I can just sit like lay back and listen to James Blake and feel calm that feels like being in love like it feels wow. like so Like, it just feels like chill. It feels like neutral and natural. So I really love him. And then Otis Redding, I feel like he was so wise beyond his ears, like years. Like he was very young when he was writing all that, like music, he was writing like someone who was like in their sixties about love. And I've, I've just always been obsessed with, with him being able to like tap into that at such a young age. You know what? For me, mm. I'm 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 going to have to go for three people because it's difficult for
1: me. Yes. One is Anita Baker. Yes. Right. Yes. When Anita Baker sings, you're like, yes, girl. Mm. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yes. From Absolutely. head to toe. I feel you, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's allegedly a predator. But uh, Marvin Gay Wait, my chest. <laughs> I have huh? to spill this
0: tea. I have Marvin V Gay with his little hat. We, he started that little hipster roll-up hat. Yes, he really did. Every man I've dated in the past few years has had that. <laughs> I mean, it is a skater boy it vibe too. Really it's just like did. the hipster guy. <laughs> exactly. Wow, I not this. I'm depressed. He
1: allegedly got his 14-year-old, I think she's 14-year-old niece pregnant. Like she was like a young teenager. I'm going to say allegedly, but. And his niece, has, oh my God. Yeah. So uh, that's but, hard for me, but I mean, I have his record because I'm a yeah. little record player. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And distant lover.
0: Uh, oh my god! Oh that my song, god! I like, like, really be feeling it, right? And then it's also what the, It makes me so mad because with Marvin Gaye's music, it's inspired. Like, we, if we didn't have Marvin Gaye, we wouldn't have Frank Ocean. Yes. Like, yes. So many, so many male R&B singers. The Trey
1: Songz, The Weeknd, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. He really my was heart. the blueprint for these guys. He really was. Really I would was. say that. I would yeah. say that. And Summer Walker, a modern girl. Summer Walker. Summer Walker. Summer I never, Walker.
0: I never really listened to her music that much, but when her video first went viral, the one where she was in the Girls room, Need Love, yes. Oh, my God. I couldn't stop listening to that. I really Same. That song. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Summer Walker, I see that. And, I and over that it was she, flawless. Yes. I love that she plays with her also. Yes, There's something yes. so attractive about that. I She's a that. little kooky in
1: real life. We've talked yes. about some of her mishaps on the podcast yes. before.
0: Like, sis, you
1: can't feed your baby hemp seed milk. Like, mm. I feel, you know, people are saying, oh my God, look at Nikki's baby. Nikki's baby is chunky and healthy and happy and this poor baby's legs are mad skinny this but
0: time, yeah.
1: hey i i've never been a mother i don't know maybe the baby has a underlying health i don't know but yeah, yeah you can't hemp hearts and honey sweetie
0: yeah it's getting sounds, organ failure yeah and, 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 can <laughs> your baby get really sick from that very <laughs> like it can yeah. it
1: sends out the lining in their intestines or something like mm-hmm. that yeah you're not supposed to do that but yeah, hey yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> so my next question is, mm-hmm. you are on This Hour Has 22 Minutes on yes. CBC. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> that so nice.
0: Thank
1: you. Yes, I grew up watching that show. Like, oh my, my mom God. loved it. So it's really nice to, again, because I never see, saw any Black women on that show, from yes. my recollection. So it's yeah. nice to see you on that show, Ruffing. Um, yes.
0: And you have a new miniature show coming out? Yes. Yes. So I just finished filming that, um, like, three weeks ago. It's a it's a show like a competition based show about um, miniature items Um, and I'm obsessed with miniature items. I've always loved them. Okay, So it's a passion. (laughs) Yes, genuinely. I mean, I can't do it. I have really poor like I can't do anything with my hands that like that well. So watching them like build stuff was really crazy, really cool. So, um,
1: what, what is it like to be on set of this hour has 22 22 minutes. Do you guys write your own jokes or do they have like a team
0: to write it for you? It's, it's all a really big production. It's like, it's, it's really great because I mean, it's, it was bittersweet because I started out doing the show during the pandemic. So, um, I missed out on the whole experience of having all the writers in the room with me and like. You know, I wouldn't recognize certain people because everyone had to have their masks on. Right. We couldn't have rap parties. We couldn't really go out and drink and hang out with each other. Um, but there, there is a Toronto room where it was just all these writers in Toronto working from a space. Um, and then we had our Halifax room, which was just me, Heidi Brander, Jordan Foisy, and Aisha Brown, who is a black, another black woman. Um, it was so great um having them all there with me because. You know, they'd been there for quite a few years, so they had a lot of experience. So we'd write with each other. Um, they helped me write a lot of my sketches. Um, and then we have a whole process of like writing jokes for the desk. But it, it's all a very collaborative effort. Like we got the opportunity to write our own stuff, but for the most part, we like working with each other. And being on set was really, really cool. It's a very close set. Everyone is like very um, good friends. Um, it's a show that's existed for a long time. So everyone has a very good rapport um, and everyone's very friendly. It's the East coast, you know, so they're very friendly. Um, it's still a workspace. So it had, it's, you know, run of the mill workspace. Of process. course.
1: Yeah. As per um, usual, that's what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Work is
0: work regardless. Exactly. And my presence being, being there was very unprecedented. Like I'm the first black femme person to ever be on the show. So I have a very unique perspective, wow. especially becoming, especially coming from um, Ontario, like my, experience versus um, Trent's experience. Trent is a, um, a Black man on the show, is completely different. He grew up in Alberta. Growing up here, I, I grew up with American culture mostly and like Black, right. um, like, like Southern Ontario culture. So it's very, very unique and specific um, sensibility that I was bringing to the show that I had to kind of tweak my voice in order to conform to it more. Um, mm. Which was difficult and which had its issues, but like if you don't go through experiences like that, it doesn't teach you how to like stand up for yourself and stand up for how good your work is. So, like, I'm happy right. that I had those experiences and also lots of love and support from the team there. I, I'm, I'm I was so lucky because I had Aisha Brown there, who is a like amazing, phenomenal um uh, black comedian in Canada, and people should definitely check out her work on Crave. Um, but it was, it was a very unique experience because again, I was, I, my being there was unprecedented. I, I definitely, it's been a lesson in sticking to your guns and being able to speak up for yourself and um, stick to ideas that you think, you know, even if they're such a black experiences, they're still worth telling. Um, it doesn't matter if people don't understand where it's coming from. They can still be funny as long as they're told right um and this is not to say that i wasn't supported or i wasn't loved in the space i feel like i felt overwhelming support constantly but i think that it's a type of experience where feelings of self-doubt and feelings of um, um imposter syndrome can cause you um to derail your like vision um but Like going into things with blind confidence was the best way um, to pursue any of the ideas that I had in that room. And then the writers, Jordan, Heidi and Aisha were phenomenal. The set, the cast, the crew, like everyone was incredibly supportive. So it felt amazing um, getting to do what I wanted to do there.
1: Well, I'm so excited for it to return in the fall. Um, But for our American listeners, uh, Mm -hmm. 22, this hour has 22 minutes. Is like similar to SNL essentially
0: yeah yeah it's so I think it's always so funny when people say that it's similar to SNL because I was always like it's it's similar to like the Colbert report but I guess it is yeah. like our SNL because we don't have any other right uh, well we have Baroness Von Sketch it, we have very niche things um but yeah it it is like that it's a sketch show and it's like political satire um yeah
1: Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Canadian shows always have to have an educational twist to
0: it. <laughs> they really do. Right? We can't fully have fun here. <laughs> I know. It's so true. Canadian media is very interesting. It's changing a lot, like not even to brag, but I feel like a lot of my peers have really taken really big steps forward.
1: Yeah, for that's the amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's going to take a bit longer for things to be more, how do I say, fresh.
1: Yes. More fresh and yes. colorful. I feel like we also need to catch up to other places in the world. Like I feel like the UK and the US, Listen. they're right. And we can yeah. get there. We can get yeah. there, but it's tougher. It's tougher mm-hmm. because Canada has always been a very particular way for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to even do one little tweak, one
0: little soap mm-hmm. is a very big step. Talking about how scared they are of the police in Canada and how bad police brutality is in Canada. And um, American man in the back was like, you know, fuck you. Like, that's not true. Like, you guys are exaggerating. You don't know what we go through. We go through so much more than you would ever imagine. Da, da, da. And I was like, that, that is, how could that ever be true? As long as there's police brutality, there was always too much police brutality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it just feels like specific Canadian stories need to be told because regardless or not, whether of whether or not you can relate, you can still try and like, understand. There are still human emotions at the end of the day. Black loss is still loss. Black pain is specific, but it's still pain. Like, it really gets me in my feels about how we're not utilizing the Black artists in this country properly.
1: Exactly, and you know, I think we're just echoing the point that it would be nice to see some sort of representation, some sort of positive, and with Black people at the helm, with Black Canadians at the Mm helm, you know, creating their own stories and mm-hmm. again not hopefully not something that is about suffering exactly but exactly. I mean I I also will say that I like black media that does incorporate the truth of what we go through but that's not the that's what not what is fueling the story exactly you know
0: exactly is that exactly. the black
1: people have to get hurt
0: yeah yeah because, like them ooh, ooh <laughs> because truly and really and truly I I literally it really hurts my soul when people will butcher something as magical as the black genre of horror that mm. Jordan Peele is creating. Yes. Jordan Peele, I feel like he's very specific about who he works with and how he works with people. He's like, obviously like curating like Nia DaCosta's work um, right. with Candyman, which I just watched a screener for. I genuinely love it. It tells a very specific story that is so, um, wrapped up in the political history of black people in America. And like, it's both so fresh and so present, but such like an age old story. Right. And I'm like, this is what we should be doing where it feels like something like them. I don't think maybe it was necessarily Lena Waite's intention, Mm -hmm. but whoever else was at the helm or whoever else had the final say in it, I don't think they were paying attention to how Black people would feel watching these things. You know, one of the actresses had to go and get therapy oh, after. God. I did not even it.
1: know
0: that. Yeah. So I just feel like eh, it's like we really need to be careful. Lo- love ca- Craft um, Country. Country, even. right. I really, I love seeing Black people in the 50s and 60s. I think it's so aesthetically beautiful. Yes. But, but, it was just too much violence for me. I was And most like, of
1: those shows I did not watch. Exactly. Shout out to Misha Green, though. Shout out to Misha Green. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, a dark woman, mm-hmm. a dark woman, dark skinned <laughs> woman. <laughs> <laughs> Title of the podcast, a dark woman. Dark woman, yeah. Um, Two dark women talk about mm-hmm. <laughs> a dark skinned woman, um, you know, and hosting something. Because yeah. especially in Canada, like oh, in like, Canadian productions, it's so nice. And it's nice to have like... Uh, uh, representation in any form mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but also like you know hopefully we can incorporate other black narratives in the future yes. in Canadian broadcasting because mm-hmm. I would love to see that okay. absolutely but my last question is you had this tweet that I have been chuckling at for days what does the church do with the bloody clothes donations <laughs> <laughs> what do they do with that what do I want to know it?
0: <laughs> because i was donating my clothes the other day and i was like wait there's bare foddery clothes in here like what are they gonna do with it <laughs> and so i was like do people who work in the ter- church like take it home and use it themselves do they give it to other people because some of the sluttiest people i know love church <laughs>
1: oh as i always say all the freaks are in church exactly. all of them all,
0: all of, of them, them. mm-hmm, mm-hmm more well I guess uh if you
1: have sorted through church donations let us know so we can answer this question
0: (laughs) I genuinely
1: would love to know yeah but thank you so much for joining me today Ava. it was a pleasure it was a good laugh and um we will definitely be tuning into this hour has 22 minutes in the fall and this miniature competition show in 2022 2022, fingers crossed um is there anywhere where uh the listeners
0: can go and find you Yes, you can find me on Twitter at A-B-A-Q-U-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram, same handle, just one extra N at the end. Um, Yeah, you can listen to my podcast, Nostalgique. I'd love for you to be on it. It'd be so much fun. Oh my gosh, I'd love that, yes. yes, Yes. yes, I'd love for you to be on it. Um, And yeah, we just, like we said before, we just talk about, you know, pop icons of the past and why we love them, how we grew up with them. And I host it with Ben sosa Wright, who's also a Toronto comedian and it's produced with Aiden O'Loughlin, and the sonar network. Um, So yeah, please check it out.
1: Love that. Thank you so much. Stay safe and stay happy.